What's up, folks? What's going on? Welcome to episode 120 of the Spun Today podcast. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz. Thank you very much for listening. In this episode, I speak about Amazon choosing to leave New York City. Tidbits from the Grammys, watching F is for Family on Netflix, and a GQ series called Most Iconic Characters on YouTube. But first, take a quick 30-second listen on how you can help support the Spun Today podcast. For those of you that are new to the podcast, there's a couple ways you can help support. Rate and review the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting platform. Another way you can help support the podcast is by shopping on Amazon. But instead of going to Amazon.com, go to SpunToday.com and click on the Affiliate Links tab on my website. There you'll see an Amazon banner. Click that and it'll take you to Amazon.com. There you'll do your shopping like you normally do and it will not cost you anything extra. But it will help support the podcast just for driving traffic to their website. All right, so for those of you that don't know, Amazon has one headquarters right now in, I want to say Seattle, Washington, or maybe it's Oregon. It's somewhere in the Pacific uh, Northwest. And they've been searching for two spots nationwide to build their second and third headquarters. They narrowed it down to a few places, and the winners wound up being a spot here in Queens, New York, in Long Island, Long Island City specifically, and a neighborhood called Crystal City in Arlington, Virginia. So, so that's where uh, Amazon HQ2 and HQ3 were going to be located. It was, or at least I thought, uh, from the from the get-go, an overwhelmingly positive type of reception by residents and public officials. The mayor, uh, Bill de Blasio, was all for it. The governor of New York State, Andrew Cuomo, was all for it. And most folks saw it as a positive thing. You know, real estate development in the area. You know, this is a huge, huge economic uh, development. The uh, governor was quoted in saying that this is the largest economic development initiative that has ever uh, been done by the city or the state or in, you know, the city and state together. This would further incentivize the uh, infrastru- infrastructure uh, projects to be uh, completed and with more incentive like a Penn Station and a LaGuardia air train, uh, Bill de Blasio also, uh, which is the mayor here in New York, was quoted in saying that uh, this makes his uh, transit po- projects, which are like uh, ferry expansion, and as well as a Brooklyn to Queens uh, streetcar uh, pep a transit project that he has, you know, similar to those like uh, San Francisco street carts or cars that you see or that are like iconic. Then I began hearing like small rumblings of disgruntled folks, folks that were unhappy, which are like the usual, you know, mom and pop shops in the area 
that would probably go out of business. Certain residents in the area that felt that they would get displaced. You know, the area's definitely been uh, gentrified. You know, back in the day, it was all like warehouses and shit like that. And now it's a very like hipsterish, up and coming, or not even up and coming, whatever's after up and coming, because Long Island City is like a little Manhattan now. But there's still a ton of development uh, going on there. And I think it was, or has been, at least as of like recent years, the most developed region in the city, if I'm not mistaken, uh, real estate development wise. So it's definitely like in like a, a popping spot, you know what I mean? But these unsatisfied folks, voices kept growing and other and you know other folks were becoming attached to this anti-amazon campaign and uh, something funny from it was like you know how the amazon boxes have the the like arrow smile um they had a bunch of these like boxes and like picket signs and stuff like that with the amazon smile but upside down so it was like a frown so it was like an amazon frown i thought that was pretty clever and funny um, but you had folks like one of the most uh, vocal city councilmen, Jimmy Van Bramer, who's a city council member of the area, very much so opposed to it. And Congresswoman AOC was opposed to it. And you had a handful of other city council members. Uh, Michelle uh, Viverito was opposed to... She said she wasn't opposed to the deal per se, but uh, she was opposed to how the deal got done in like backdoor negotiations uh, that were not as transparent as they could have been. And Michelle Viverito, for those who don't know, was the city council speaker and is currently running for a uh, public advocate seat that was vacated by Trish James when she became the state attorney general and vacated that seat. So now there's a special election. Uh, happening for the public advocate seat and for those of you that don't know the public advocate seat is uh second to the mayor so if something happens to the mayor it's the public advocate that steps up and becomes the mayor it's a citywide position that's not uh, relatively popular or known and many see it as the uh, stepping stone to uh, becoming the uh, mayor ultimately not just because, you know, legally it's the next line to the to the mayor, but just because it's a city-wide position. Bill de Blasio, for example, was the public advocate uh, before he became mayor. It was, there were also talks, actually, of the public advocate position being done away with in the structure of, like, city civics here in New York. Because uh, some folks feel that it's, it is all that, what I just said, but it's like, what do they really do? You know what I mean? It's like an advocate for the people. As the title suggests, public advocate. But, you know, that's what all elected officials are supposed to be. And then folks say that, you know, it's a good position to check the mayor. Uh, kind of like a checks and balances type of thing. But that's what the city council's function is as well. So there's a, definitely a lot of redundancies for that position. Anyway, one of the main points of contention for Amazon 
coming to New York was that they were getting close to $3 billion worth of subsidies. You know, you heard a lot of back and forth of, you know, it's not really $3 billion, it's really $500 million, and then it's $2.5 billion of other, like, tax credits and stuff like that, so it's not direct, like, money or subsidies to them, and why are we, why is the city of New York and the state of New York giving a trillion-dollar company money to come here like they should want to come here especially you know the dope spot that they have in long in the city it's like a major hub it's right it's a stone throw away from new york city from manhattan um it's by the water they we're gonna have like a 120 days worth of uh uh helicopter uh, permission to fly helicopters and they had a heli the heli helipad as part of the design of the building uh the ferries obviously and you know subways and shit like that so folks were kind of rightfully so you know why the fuck are we giving them money to like come here it's like prime real estate new york city is the capital of real estate in the world then not to mention uh the congestion if you if you were listening to this and you're from New York, you know how congested things get. Um, you know, commuting in and out of the city, uh, taking the subway, you know, packed like sardines, and not to even mention driving and gridlock traffic and stuff like that, and building such a huge development in the middle of an already crowded city is just going to exacerbate that. So those were all like points of contention. So as far as the subsidies, I looked into what it breaks down to. And I'll link to this article by NY Curbed in the episode notes. Uh, but it was like the best uh, or at least like clearest breakdown that I that I found. And has some other good takeaways um, in the article. But this is what the almost $3 billion breaks down to. Amazon will receive $897 million from the city's Relocation and Employment Assistance Program called REAP, R-E-A-P, and $386 million from the Industrial and Commercial Abatement Program, ICAP, I-C-A-P. It will receive an additional $505 million in capital grant. That's the, I guess, where that uh, $500 million like number comes from of that's what they're actually getting in like, money. The rest is like these programs and money's, you know, kind of like earmarked for specific purposes. Lastly, uh, $1.2 billion in Excelsior credits if its job creation goals are met. And the job creation goals were 25,000 jobs brought to New York City. So that brings the total amount of public funds granted to 2.988 billion which breaks down to the city and state uh paying Amazon $48,000 per job assuming that they do uh create those 25,000 jobs. Now that all sounds pretty shitty in the immediate, pretty shitty in the the short term. 
Then on the flip side, here's what that looks like when like spread out over uh, several years. Or in other words, like what New York would be getting in return. Um, according to the state, Amazon will generate $27.5 billion in state and city revenue over the next 25 years, which is a nine to one ratio revenue versus subsidies. So they're getting $3 billion Initially, you know, broken down how how, uh, I just uh, mentioned. And over the next 25 years, they generate $27.5 billion in state and city revenue, which is supposedly one of the the highest rates of return for any economic uh, incentive program of this kind. And this is achieved by Amazon creating the 25,000 jobs which is not like an initial, you know, boom, here's 25,000 jobs. It's over 10 years estimated, uh, which, and that number could fluctuate up to 40,000 when all is said and done. The average salaries are $150,000, which is obviously great. Uh, but, you know, put it in that, in that number. I'm gonna get back to it in a bit. And the state estimates that the project will facilitate 1,300 construction jobs and 107,000 in indirect jobs, which is not, you know, jobs that are directly working for Amazon, but uh, places like uh, a restaurant opening up nearby that's going to create jobs and see a lot of business because Amazon is there. Amazon was also going to uh, utilize the city's uh, pilot program, which uh, pilot stands for payment in lieu of taxes. I actually know what these are because they're a form of municipal bonds. And that's part of my nine to five day job. And um, they would pretty much be purchasing 600 to $650 million of these bonds over four decades in order to fund local infrastructure like streets and sidewalks and open spaces and stuff like that. And the actual funds, the way specifically how they get allocated is decided via community engagement. And oftentimes you see these uh, in come up in referendums, in like local election referendums. Like when you go to vote and you turn the page and there's like a few paragraphs and stuff back there, that's often these types of decisions like how they get made and how that community engagement uh, happens not always but that's one way amazon also agreed to allocate five million dollars for workforce development and to host uh, job training sessions and job fairs at uh queens uh queensbridge houses aka queensbridge projects which are nearby but they made no guarantees in terms of hiring from there. Amazon will also build a new school with as many as 600 seats on its campus, along with a tech startup incubator. Now, out of all that, that's the part that I thought was pretty dope. You know, if they have a school that, you know, kids in the area could attend and, you know, it's on the Amazon campus, I'm sure they'll have they'll definitely be incentivized to have pathways to grooming these 
kids to one they work for Amazon. And if they invest in in them and in in the direction of job training related to computer science and coding and data scientists, engineers, and jobs that would warrant that those average 150k a year salaries and more that would be perfect that would be great that's like a a plus a big plus right especially when you have a nearby area like uh, the Queensbridge projects which are low income underprivileged families that are often not as represented in these types of jobs and you know the area is largely made up of black and Latino families. But out of all that, that's really like the only plus that I saw. Because the average salary of $150,000 a year, for example, which I said to put a pin on because I was going to come back to it. I'm back to it. was always a, like a point with me that was kind of like, you're bringing 25,000 jobs to New York, not... You know, specifying we're bringing 25,000 jobs to New Yorkers. There's just 25,000 jobs that are going to be available, and we're going to fill them with whoever we want to fill them with, which is why they're not uh, committing to the folks, for example, from Queensbridge Houses, even though they're going to have, they're going to host job training sessions and job fairs, which any of us that have ever looked for a job, we know how bullshit those things can be. I'm sure some of you have gone and have found success, but oftentimes it's just go collect flyers and hear, you know, get pens and cups. It's like a fucking, like a college fair type of thing. Get company merch from people who are representing their companies because they wanted to get a, a day out of the office, pretty much. I'm not saying it can't be positive, it can't be successful, but... Let's call it what it is and not act like it's some sort of like path to a $150,000 paying job because it's not. To me, it's pretty clear that like those jobs are not going to the folks in the area, which sucks because, and this is where I I have to side with the folks that were opposed uh, to this, even though in the beginning I was like excited about it, like, oh shit, Amazon in New York would be kind of cool. But this is definitely a way how neighborhoods lose their soul, how neighborhoods get gentrified, how the fabric of a neighborhood and what makes a neighborhood dope and cool and thrive at an interpersonal level. And now it has historical significance with folks like rappers like Nas and Mob Deep coming from Queensbridge and a historically significant uh hip-hop song the bridge is over by uh krs1 about queensbridge and the rappers that came from it the restaurants in that neighborhood which like i said before and bars and stuff like that but like i said before has become you know like a like an up-and-coming like hipstery expensive type neighborhood but it has that cool balance now i think that it's like not a dilapidated you know warehouse place that has projects in the middle of it it's less of that still has 
the projects like element which i think is kind of dope for the reasons that i just mentioned and it also has like this balance of trendiness like going on like all that is what would ultimately be lost over the bottom line gain of 27.5 billion dollars over the next 25 years like all those folks from uh, queensbridge will get pushed the fuck out ultimately and you know new you know projects torn down and new high rises built and lofts with super high rents and that's how people get pushed out it's like gentrification 101 then the neighborhood is unrecognizable in 25 years or less and it loses its its charm its integrity so now after the fact after amazon said fuck this we're out because of all the noise i see it as more of a like a relief you know it's kind of like yeah you know what loyal city's dope as is without the need to add all the baggage that comes with a trillion dollar company building its headquarters in it in the middle of it and it was kind of cool to see local politics specifically at the city council level really responding to voices of folks that usually go unheard championing that cause and defeating higher ups in the political ranks like the mayor and the governor the biggest corporation in america i think it's the biggest is it them or is it apple or is it google i think it's them because i think i think apple has the most reserves like cash reserves but in terms of like stock price and 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 cap google or alphabet trades at like around a thousand bucks a share 1100 a share 1300 a share something like that and amazon's like at 1600 a share i don't know anyway i thought that was pretty cool and that's my take on the whole amazon getting the fuck out of here from new york but shout out to amazon though because i am a prime member (laughs) all right uh some quick tidbits from the grammys i'm not usually a watcher of like award shows and stuff like that but i think my wife put it on and left it on when she went to bed and i was on the computer and shit here in the living room i caught like a bunch of it you know i I kept like turning around for like certain things and performances and stuff like that and i got three takeaways from it one is the folks you know cutting the folks off at the mic when they're doing their acceptance speeches and shit I think it's corny. I mean, I get the whole... They have a certain amount of allotted time for the event, for the Grammys, but there's so much, like, hoopla behind it. It's like, just pad it with, like, an extra hour of TV time or something like that. Like, whatever it is, just add more time to it. If you think it'll go two hours, just reserve three hours or however that part of the shit works. Because you have a shitload of people tuning in regardless. So you're making money off of it. You have to be. It's just so annoying when people are like mid-sentence and they get cut off. So to go to like commercial breaks and everybody gets rushed and um, people like nervous. And you kind of sort of want to hear 
what they say at least i did especially for folks that didn't know who the fuck they were and even for people that like the ones that i didn't know who they were sometimes they have like uh like interesting things to say and i would want to hear that you know and just from like their perspective you know they work hard for what they do and you know have the opportunity to express their gratitude and uh, just give a give some feedback to the fans and they get like cut off midstream for like commercial fucking purposes it's kind of bullshit i saw cardi b's performance which i thought was dope um she's really cool she's like so she's like so hood and ghetto but lovable at the same time i don't know what it is (laughs) um but it's cool like you root for her you know like it's cool to see her winning and her performance is dope except for like she did this like wakanda forever like sign or something which apparently is part of that song my wife told me like the actual song and um when she did it she put like the x on her chest type of thing with her like forearms and she like knocked her like necklace off or something like that but besides that was pretty cool (laughs) um j-lo gave a dope performance also uh, she did like a Motown, like this uh, paying homage to Motown songs and stuff like that. And a lot of people gave like the Grammys shit for like choosing her because uh, she's not black. She's Puerto Rican. But I thought she gave a dope, really, really dope performance. She still got it. Yo, J-Lo, I don't know how fucking old J-Lo is. She must be like in her high 40s or close to 50. And she looks like she's always fucking looked if she's had surgery or anything like that like it doesn't show like she doesn't look like those like ghoul faces that some women get like when they have like plastic surgery and shit like that it's fucking amazing man but the best performance of the night i thought was alicia keys hosting i forgot how dope alicia keys is and she had this moment where she was on stage sitting between two pianos one hand on each piano and she was like shuffling through different artists songs and like playing them on the piano and singing them and she was like damn i wish i would have wrote this song this song is dope and she would like sing some like old lauren lauren hill shit and some old fuji stuff and then some uh songs of some some uh some folks that were like in the audience that i didn't know but they would like scan to them the camera would scan to them when Alicia was playing their song and they'll be like, Oh my God, that's my song. She's playing my song. And it was like, she's so fucking talented. So dope. She played the New York song, which is awesome. Of course. And that I think was like the best piece of the night from what I saw. And it's pretty much it. That's all I got on the Grammys. Next up is F is for Family, Bill Burr's Netflix animated series, which is great. I like it a lot. I enjoy it. I just finished watching it, actually. I started it a couple months ago, I think, just watching an episode here and there on and off. And then uh, my wife and I just finished watching uh, yesterday. We saw like two episodes and today we saw the last three that we hadn't seen. And it was a great season. It's definitely coming back for another one. 
Um, but then the next one comes in like the summer or spring of 2020. So you have to wait like over a year for that shit, which sucks. That's like the only sucky part, right? About Netflix in terms of like them introducing the ability to binge stuff. But on the flip side, you they have so much content that it's kind of good too. Like you have other stuff to like watch and get hooked on in between while you wait on like your favorite shows to come back. So even if you have to wait a year or more, by the time a show comes back, it's like, oh shit, yeah, I forgot about that show. I, I fucking love the first couple seasons or whatever. And Bill Burr is so funny. I say this every time that I mention him. He is absolutely one of the top, one of the best working comics to date. One of the best comics of all time, I would say. And his comedic tone is definitely all over this animated series. And it's loosely based on him growing up. Or at least some stories are. And he is the voice of his father in the show. Um, he has a, in the show, a red-headed, fair-skinned middle son called Bill. Which I assume is him. And it takes place in the 70s, I want to say. 70s 80s around that uh, time period 70s which in this like overly pc society that we're living in now being able to write from the perspective of a show a period piece if you will of that time period must be cathartic and alleviating you know what i mean you could say shit that if you like really said it now like in the context of today would be like too over the top and like fucked up but it's kind of like cartoons found a way these like adult geared cartoons found a way to like get away with shit like that all the crazy shit that and social commentary that south park does because they are under the guise of uh fourth graders that don't know any better and iconic shows, obviously, like The Simpsons, which are one of the longest-running series, animated or not, in history. And shows like Family Guy and American Dad, etc., etc. Anyway, F is for Family. This was its third season, and I would say it's definitely right up there with the likes of those kind of shows. So if you're into any of those kind of shows, definitely check out F is for Family if you haven't already. And if you're a man or a woman of a certain age and want to feel a bit nostalgic, definitely check it out for those reasons as well. You know, this was, I'm an 80s baby, so this is like a a touch before my time, but I definitely still have appreciation for it in that context. And last but not least, I stumbled, I re-stumbled upon, because I remember watching a couple of these I don't remember how long ago, but I remember watching a couple of these in the past. And I re-stumbled upon them last night, I want to say. Last night or the night before. It's a GQ series that you can find on YouTube. It's called Iconic Characters. Most Iconic Characters. And it's really cool. They sit an actor down and they allow the characters. You only hear the character. You don't hear any questions. You don't 
see anything else except the character and like a green screen behind them where they put up uh, like clips of their movies and stuff that they're talking about. And these actors speak about their most iconic roles on playing film or, or television. And what I love for from this type of thing is getting stories of not necessarily like never heard before stories, although so a lot of them are that I never heard before, but I don't know if, you know, it's things that these folks have said in other interviews, I'm sure at least some of them are, but like how the sausages made stories and like little throwaway stories of how they got certain roles. And it's interesting to hear how like by happenstance and how fleeting some of the most iconic roles have been cast. I'll give you an example. Uh, Dr. Ken, Ken Chung, 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 Dr. Ken, who was Mr. Chow in the Hangover movies, was auditioning for this role of Mr. Chow that was originally written for a 60-year-old man, like an older man. And he went into the read, you know, wanting to read for the director of the movie and wanting to do a good job. And he says that, you know, those were his intentions because he figured if he does a good enough job, the director will remember him and cast him in something else. But he's definitely not getting this role because it's, you know, written for a 60-year-old man and he wasn't 60. And, you know, it still isn't 60. And then just so happens that he, like, knocks it out the park in a way that the they reconceptualize the six-year-old character and we have the Mr. Child that we all know and love today. And he even says that to this day, like, that's the that's the character that blew open the doors for him and that he can't go anywhere without being, like, called a Mr. Chow or somebody saying, so long, motherfucker. Toodaloo, motherfucker. And, like, shit like that. And he says that he wouldn't have it any other way. He said he, he loves it. <laughs> and I don't know. I just think those, like, stories that happen like that, like, so fleeting. Like, what if he decided, like, oh, it's for 60-year-old man. You know, I'm not going to read for that. Let me go read for something else. If he had that type of mentality, then we wouldn't have the role in the way that we do. I just really like, I'm fascinated by those like sliding door type of moments. And there's a bunch of stories like that from all the different uh, actors that have taken part in this uh, GQ series. And, and there's actors like Mark Wahlberg and Jonah Hill and Jason Bateman, Nicolas Cage, Ethan Hawke, and like tons of interesting backstories to many many movies that i'm sure you all enjoy and love i'll link to a couple of them of my faves in the episode notes for your viewing pleasure but that's all i got for you folks in this 120th episode damn i can't believe it's been 120 episodes of the sponsor today podcast it's been pretty cool. I really like, really enjoy uh, doing this. This is a nice kind of like niche thing that I enjoy doing and uh, kind of get to do for myself. 
And really appreciate that a lot of uh, any of you folks that actually listen to this. Muito obrigado. Thank you very much. Muchas gracias. And until next time, I'm your host, Tony Ortiz. And this has been episode 120 of the Spun Today Podcast. I woke up this morning and figured I'd call you in case I'm not here tomorrow. I'm hoping that I can borrow a peace of mind. I'm behind on what's really important. My mind is really distorted. I find nothing but trouble in my life. I'm fortunate you believe in a dream. This orphanage we call a ghetto is quite a routine. And last night was just another distraction or a reaction of what we consider madness. I know exactly what happened. You ran outside when you heard my brother cry for help. Held him like a newborn baby and made him fail. Like everything was alright in a fight he tried to put up But the type of bullet that stuck had went against his will Last blood spill on your hands, my plan's rather vindictive Everybody's a victim in my eyes When I ride, it's a murderous rhythm And outside became pitch black A demon glued to my back, whispering, get him, I got him And I ain't give a fuck That same mentality I told my brother not to duck In actuality, it's a trip, how we trip off of colors I wonder if I ever discover a passion like you and recover The life that I knew is a Yunkin' in pajamas and thunderdons. When thunder comes, it rains cats and dogs. Dumb niggas like me never prosper. Would you like to receive a short email from me once a week? You know that feeling you have on a Monday at work when you have absolutely nothing to look forward to except for lunch? Have no fear, the midday Monday boost letter is here. In this short weekly newsletter, you will receive five things. One is a photograph of the week from a photographer. A podcast of the week. I listen to tons of podcasts, dozens and dozens of podcasts, hundreds of episodes, and I cherry pick the best ones and I share them with you here. You'll also receive a video of the week, which could be anything from a rap battle to a TED talk. You receive a quote of the week, something to let marinate in your mind, and a word of the week so that you and I can both step up our vocab. So if any of that sounds of interest to you, check it out check out the subscribe page at spuntrade.com forward slash subscribe drop in your email address and you'll receive the very next one for any writers or creatives out there i have a questionnaire it's a five question questionnaire that anyone is free to fill out it's located at spuntrade.com forward slash questionnaire and what it is is five open-ended questions related to your craft It's things like what inspires you to write or create whenever you don't feel the inspiration to do so. What are your favorite apps or tools or tricks to trick yourself into getting into the mind state of actually creating? What inspires you, etc., etc., stuff like that. And what I do with your responses is share them on a future episode of the podcast. Now, you can choose to remain anonymous if you choose to. You have that option right there when you fill out the questionnaire. And if you do not choose to remain anonymous, I give you a shout out on the podcast and promote for free whatever it is that you have going on. So I appreciate you in advance for sharing that with me, as well as the rest of the listeners of the Sponsor podcast, which would stand to gain from you filling out the questionnaire. Now, you can help support the podcast in a myriad of ways. One way which does not cost you anything and is most popular within the podcasting community is by shopping on Amazon using my affiliate links banner. So the way that works is you go to spontaneity.com forward slash affiliate links or just click on the affiliate links tab at the top center of the page. And there you will see a banner for Amazon. You literally just click on that and it takes you to Amazon's website. 
where you do your shopping like you normally do. It does not cost you anything extra, but Amazon will give me a kickback just for driving traffic to their website. So that would be a big help. It literally costs you nothing extra financially, just costs you a couple of extra clicks of your mouse before you do your Amazon shopping. The iTunes banner that's on that same page works the same way. So if you're purchasing music or movies or whatever it is on iTunes, feel free to go through my affiliate link portal there as well. If you want to make a one-time uh, PayPal donation, feel free to do so. There's a PayPal donation button on there as well. Within that same tab, you'll also find a link to the Spun Today Viral Style Store. Now, the Viral Style Store is a store where you can get Spun Today merch, whether it's a coffee mug or a t-shirt that I personally designed. And spoiler alert, I'm no, I'm no Ralph Lauren or, you know, whoever designs Gucci stuff. <laughs> but... I did create the design of those shirts myself. I have a couple t-shirts on there. One that says, for example, right need every day, which is a playoff of Snoop, Dre, and Nate Dogg's smoke weed every day. So it's right need every day with like a puff cloud of smoke behind it. I have a podcast versus everybody t-shirt and uh, just stuff like that. So check it out. The link to the viral style store is also there. You can also help support the podcast on a reoccurring basis if you become a Patreon supporter. Now, Patreon is pretty cool, and it there's a little um, video explanation of what it is and how it works, but I'll try to do my best to summarize it here. Basically, you sign on to Patreon, which is a free service for your account, and you can support not just myself, but any other uh, podcasters or creatives that also have patreon pages and you can choose to for example donate a dollar to them on a per episode basis so the sponsor podcast has two uh, episodes a month so if you donate a dollar to it it'll be two dollars a month basically and you set it up and it just happens automatically on a reoccurring basis there are zero fees you can cancel at any time no hassle no bullshit and it's, uh, it's a cool way to help support and is much appreciated. And also, it's not just like a, for example, uh, a PayPal donation, which is just that. But through Patreon, it allows the creator, in this case being myself, to set up a reward system, if you will. So if you donate a dollar per episode, you are considered a tier one supporter. If you donate $3 per episode, you are a second tier supporter etc etc and it goes up to four tiers and each tier gets different things like uh tier one gets a free spun today bookmark and a shout out on the podcast tier three gets uh gets those two things from tier one as well as a free writing piece that's not posted on on my website or available to anyone else etc etc so check that out if you will and uh, visit my Patreon page at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Spun Today. Another great, amazing way to help support the podcast is to rate and review it. This costs you absolutely nothing. Whether you listen on iTunes, on Stitcher, on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, on Pocket Casts, on Overcast, on Player FM, on Google Play, on YouTube, on Tumblr, or if you listen on Podbay or any other 
of your favorite podcast apps. Please rate and review the episode. It really is the number one way to help the show gain traction, gain exposure. You know, you could also share it with friends and family and tell them, you know, check out what this idiot is saying. Some of it is actually pretty good or it all fucking sucks and you should listen and laugh. But as long as you're listening, (laughs) it would be much appreciated. So rate and review the podcast wherever it is that you listen. Follow me on Twitter or on Instagram at Spun Today. Like the Facebook fan page at facebook.com forward slash Spun Today. Subscribe to my YouTube page as well. All podcast episodes are available on YouTube as well as clipped versions. For example, with the Random Rant episodes, you know, I speak about a bunch of different topics instead of having the full episode alone, which is also available on YouTube. But you also have snippets of the different topics broken up into more digestible chunks. So check that out. You can also support by checking out my book, Make Way For You, Tips For Getting Out Of Your Own Way. It's a quick, short read if you're looking for some inspiration and motivation. And you can find out more about it at spuntray.com forward slash books. There you'll find a video of me telling you all how the book came to fruition, as well as a couple of audio excerpts. If you're interested, you can purchase it wherever books are sold. Kindle, iBooks, Kobo, an ebook or paperback format, which you can find on Amazon. Also, for being a Spun Today listener, I can also send you a free copy right there on that same landing page at sponsor.com forward slash books. Drop in your email address at the bottom of the page and I'll shoot you over a copy in the format of your choice. And that's all I got, folks. Thanks again for checking out this episode. And as always, substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.